Hey, it's Sunny Days. I am the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Listen, I am a podcast her, okay, H-E-R, an activist, a thought leader, pin pusher, and lover of poodles. And I'm Lisa Davis, MPH. I am a lover of social justice, healthy living, dogs, and I love being the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Now is the time for honest, unfiltered conversations, for authentic voices and their stories, and for connection. Join us as we confront the moment head on with this podcast. It is passionate. It is real as lives behind the headlines. Active allyship, it's more than a hashtag. And listen, it goes beyond the likes, the retweets, and the hashtags, making space for the vital dialogue necessary for racial justice. And now, on to the show. I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Unfortunately, my amazing co-host Sunny Days is away today. I'm going to bring our fantastic guest right in. She's the author of The Other Black Girl. Her name is Zakia Dalila Harris. She spent nearly three years in editorial at Knock Doubles Day before leaving to write her debut novel, which I just mentioned, The Other Black Girl, which is fantastic. And prior to working in publishing, Zakia received her MFA in creative writing from the New School. Her essays and book reviews have appeared in Cosmopolitan, Guanerca, and The Rumpus. And she lives in Brooklyn. With all that being said, hello. So happy to have you here. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you today. It's so great. Now, usually Sunny asks the guests the first question, which is, what were you marinated in? Which basically <gasps> is like values and, you know, what kind of what shaped you? Oh, I love, I love that word, marinated. I've never heard it asked that way. That's Sunny. Oh, God. Well, you know, I, I love that too, because that really influenced this book, because so much of me is in Nella. She was marinated in my juices. So <laughs> my juices were, um, I was born and raised in a very white suburb in Connecticut, um, had mostly white friends for a lot of my young life, but also was raised by two proud black parents who very much were insistent upon making sure I understood where I came from. And um, felt tied to my ancestors, I guess I would say. And so I very much in early age, you know, saw my parents nod or say hi to other black people in spaces, um, oftentimes when we were the only ones. So my parents knew the other black parents at school and uh, I had black Barbie dolls and my dad always told me, right, write black characters, um, because if you don't, who will? So all of those things definitely influenced this book and also influenced my idea of Nella and Hazel and why the relationship goes the way that it goes, <laughs> I will say. I don't want to give too much away, but just to give a little bit. So there's a young woman, Nell Rogers. She's working at Wagner. It's this prestigious publishing house, and she has to deal with all the bullshit and the microaggressions, which is the bullshit, and more from her white coworkers. <laughs> and then this woman, Hazel, shows up, and she's like, woohoo, it's another black woman. But the woohoo is kind of like, wait, wait a second. So I'm curious, if you had an experience like Nella where you feel like invisible and like hyper visible at the same time? 
Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, throughout most of my life in a lot of ways, and oftentimes it's not something I've really thought about um, because I had been raised in these spaces and gotten used to kind of trying to blend in as much as possible um, for a while. And so that was definitely a big part of it. Um, and I think that, I mean, dual consciousness, as W.B. Du Bois uh, wrote about so beautifully, I remember reading that phrase and being like, yes, like this constant um, moving through this world, being able to code switch um, yeah. in all of these different uh, spaces, but also sometimes having moments where I'm like, I am the blackest person here. I am the only black person here. I, I have thoughts about this thing, but will I be the angry black woman? Will I uh, come off in the wrong way? And the fact that I'm the only one here, one of very few people here, if I do say this thing, or if I don't work five times as hard on this thing, will this compromise my own position and my own mission? So all of those are things that I would think about a lot, but then also at the same time, would try to kind of not think about because it can get exhausting. <laughs> you know, one of the things with, with the stress is, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery, and I can go on and on and on. And you're supposed to just show up and smile when there's this insane amount of trauma going on. Multiple times throughout my life, I've felt that definitely last year. Um, but especially for me when I was writing the book, because last year hadn't happened yet, it was 2019. And so I was thinking about the year, the couple of years when I first moved to Brooklyn, which is 2015, 2016, and there was a whole wow. other wave of things going on. Um, and I mean, specifically, Philando Castile for me, I watched the video um, of him being murdered in front of his family. And then after that, an hour later, I had to be working at a pie shop, my pie shop job at the time, um, and smiling and people would ask me, how are you? And I'm like, <sighs> like, how much time do you have? Right. Um, because it's so jarring. And I think that this constant feeling that you have to wear a mask um, right. is something that, again, is something that I don't think about that much until I'm around other black women and feel like we can both like, you know, have this conversation, like, especially last year, um, when all of my black friends would be getting, uh, you know, white people asking, how are you doing all of those things? And, and it's coming from oftentimes a good place, but it's also like, we constantly have to kind of react and figure out the best way to address something. And then also the best way for us. And that's not always the same thing. Like sometimes we just want to tune out completely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting when I looked at the relationship between Nella and Hazel, you know, when Nella hears or she sees a wave of a hand of a black hand, she's like, oh, there's another black woman here. But then it doesn't quite turn out the way she thought. And I don't want to give too much away. But I think it's like that disappointment, that expectation of like, oh, my gosh, I've been the only one. And now there's somebody else. But wait a second, she's kind of playing me a little bit like she's says one thing to the coworkers, another thing to me. Have you experienced that dynamic? I haven't, thankfully. Um, Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I will say, uh, Hazel, for me, I mean, came out of, first of all, my own anxieties as a young Black person about if I was Black enough, um, because I spoke a certain way, because I grew up, like, watching I Love Lucy and, like, The Twilight Zone. <laughs> um, and, and discovering, you know, as a younger I guess like not that long ago to be honest with you discovering that 
there are multiple kinds of ways to be black. There are different ideas of blackness. And so really imbuing Hazel with this, this thing that seems to be contradictory to Nella's own way of being, even though they both uh, are able to code switch and have made it into this very white space, they both have very different experiences. So that's a lot of the book too, is Nella having her own prejudices and guessing wrong and making the wrong decisions and, and choices. And like, she's not perfect either. Um, and also figuring out where those, feelings come from for Nella and, and kind of turning all of it on its head. So it was fun and also kind of stressful to write Hazel's character. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, I bet. Let's talk about hair. I mean, hair is a big thing. It can connect black women. It can divide black women. Do you go natural? Do you have a weave? Are you getting the relaxer? Well, why are you doing that? And talk to us about that and how that plays into your story as well. Yeah, well, that's that's another example of my marinade. Um, I'm just going to keep the yeah. marinade and, and keep going with the metaphor. It's so Sunny good. will be so happy. <laughs> we hope you'll come back when she's here because she'll be crushed. Yes. I mean, she missed. Yes, no, I, I, yeah, it's so good. And like, I think, I know for me as a young black person, um, I really wanted to have straight hair. Like that was the holy grail for me as a young person. And I remember when I turned 10, that was the age my mom said I could relax my hair. She had relaxed hair at the time. Um, my sister, my older sister also had relaxed hair at the time. And I just wanted to have ponytails. That was the only thing I wanted to do. I wanted to have <laughs> ponytails and also be the girl at the sleepover who had straight hair too. Because oftentimes those hair conversations that my white friends were having, I couldn't be a part of them. Like I wasn't allowed to let them touch my hair uh, because they wouldn't know what to do with my natural hair. Um, and so after relaxing my hair for like 15 years or however long it was, though, like I came to my own, this is right around the time I mentioned earlier of moving to New York and Philando Castile and being around such a diverse array of black people in Brooklyn and New York. And so I ended up cutting all of my hair off uh, at a Dominican barbershop and it felt so good. I felt so brand new um, and so connected just to myself and to the Black diaspora. So I knew that would be the thing um, when I was writing this book that Nella had also experienced that would cause this this change in her. Um, and I know for her and for me, whenever I see another Black woman with natural hair, I just automatically have an idea about them, especially if they've managed to work, ma uh, managed to make it into this white corporate space. Um, and so for Nella to see Hazel with dreadlocks, that's like the thing that she's like, awesome. We're both from different neighborhoods, but we both have a similar uh, idea just of, of what it means to be a black woman with natural hair. Absolutely. I, I want to keep you forever. I only have a few more minutes, but I do hope you'll come back. But I do want to mention that this is also a thriller, which is like, wait, what? So, <laughs> wow, you are such an amazing writer. When did you realize you first had a gift for writing? And when did you know that you wanted to have like this whole thriller element in the book Thank and you the so time much. jump too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, oof. well, I, I knew at a young age, I loved writing. My dad is a writer. Um, my older sister is also a writer now. And so like, I've always been, words have been such a big part of my life. Um, and then when I was 11 or 12, I entered this uh, writing contest for American Girl magazine, which is no longer with us, but my story got published um, in the magazine. It won out of a bunch of countries. Yeah. And so like, that was like a moment where I was like, cool, it's not just my parents and my teachers who think I could write. Uh, and fast forward to, to when I started writing this book, I mean, I knew that I knew from the beginning there would be this thriller element because I knew Hazel would not be all that she seemed. Um, and I also wanted to play with Nella's own perception again of like 
what is real, what's actually happening, and what's just Nella's anxieties. Um, and that took a lot of draft. After writing that first draft of, of Nella, uh, Nella's version of the events, I realized it's not all the version of the events that like the reader should know. I felt like the reader should know more than Nella. Yeah. And so I got into Kendra Ray and Diana and Shawnee's minds. And it was really fun to kind of piece together what they knew, what they had done and kind of see how that uh, fell when it was next to what Nella knew and what Nella understood to be true. Um, and I think oftentimes we all kind of glamorize and romanticize the past. Um, but of yes. course it's never that simple. No, it never is. I just think Thank you're amazing. You. <laughs> uh, Sunny, my co-host, is a black woman, and I know she would relate to so much, especially in the workplace. And she has locks, and she's amazing. So I hope you'll come back. In the meantime, yes. tell us all the ways we can find you and your fantastic book. Absolutely. Um, so I am on Twitter, um, at Zakia underscore Harris, Z-A-K-I-Y-A. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, at Zakia Dalila Harris. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook, also at Zakia Dalila Harris. So I am on all of the webs. Zakia, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Thank you so much for listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and family. This is really important and we want to get the word out. So glad that you're listening. Please keep coming back. Also, follow us on Instagram at activeallyship.podcast. Thank you so much.